0: That's the old me out of my wisdom, throw down. I don't care anymore I don't care. News radio ninety-two three and AM sixteen twenty. Good Saturday morning to you and welcome to Let's Go Pensacola. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, it looks like we finally got a little bit better weather after all this nasty rain all week. Uh, so, you know, hopefully you're in, able to enjoy that and able to enjoy the show at the same time. We're going to have a lot to talk about today. And uh, joining me as he, as he has been, oh, gosh, uh, you've been on almost every week for like the last couple of months, Jeremy. Uh, this, is, this is starting to get a thing. People are going to start to talk. Uh, please welcome Jeremy Branch from the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube.
1: Julio, oh, glad to be back. Glad to be back. You know, it feels like the world is waking up out of hibernation, and I'm here for it, man. It's like all of this movie news. People are kind of out and about. We got events coming back, and I know we're not quite there yet, but things are starting to happen, man. I'm excited to talk about a ton of movie news, like you alluded to.
0: Well, you know, let's just let's just say like the big world news before we even get into any of that, or at least the big Florida news. Uh, I mean, it's big world news all over the place that the vaccines are getting out there and people are getting the shots in the arms and hopefully we're going to finally be kicking this COVID thing in the butt real soon. But uh, Mm. it's looking real good for us here in Florida because uh, starting on Monday, if you are ages 40 or older, you are now eligible to get vaccinated. Uh, Of course, if you have any kind of pre-existing condition that is exacerbated by COVID, you'd already been eligible to no matter what your age. But now everybody 40 and up as of Monday and then as of April 5th, it goes to 18 and up. So at that point, if you're an adult, there is no reason for you to not go get your shot in your arm. You, and you, depending on which one you're getting, you might have to wait a month to get your second one. So about six, you're, from April 5th, you're about six weeks to being immune.
1: I there- highly recommend going ahead and registering now because I do know that that's you know, part of it that might hold you back. But also some places are doing lock-ins, so... So yeah, just get out
0: there and get it done. Yeah, I mean, just take care of it. It's uh, it's going to be better for everybody in the whole world, and we'll be able to get back to yes. doing some fun stuff. You know, we're looking at uh, at Pensacon coming up in mid May, May twenty first through the twenty third. you get that shot by that first shot by April fifth, you should uh, be well into your immunity period by the time Pensacon comes up. Yeah, uh, you know, self serving for me to say that I, I realize as I work on Pensacon, but you know that that's just one of the many things that we hope to look forward to you know we're hoping Mardi Gras we're looking at Mardi Gras parades uh the following weekend after that we're looking at uh you know coming up on the su- summer and things like blues on the beach and the blue angels uh beach show, the blue angels beach show and you know all the things that we've missed for more than a year now so uh you know go out and do your part man uh, i you know i'm sorry if you don't like that i'm telling you that but i'm never going to not tell people to you know, think of the public health and, uh, and, and uh, Same. you know, l- hopefully let us get back to something approaching normal for God's sake. Uh, after, uh, after a year and a half, almost at this point, uh, I- I'm ready. I- I'm ready to see my friends again. I don't think I've seen you face to face Jeremy in a year.
1: <laughs> it's been quite a while. I probably, and I, I don't know, I'm just kind of pulling this out of the air. I would imagine it was probably at the movie theater. One of the last, times we saw each other and I'm ready to get back out there to it. I would love to see Kong versus, or excuse me, Godzilla versus Kong on the big screen. That's an experience I want to have, but uh it's coming up very soon. We'll, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But. That's
0: actually going to open midweek. It's opening up on Wednesday and uh, of course if you don't want to go to the theater and see it, you can watch it at home on HBO Max. Uh, that that is going to be available both places, but man, don't you want to see the two biggest Giant monsters of all time fa- facing each other on IMAX. I mean, that's so much. You know, you're, I don't care how big a TV you have in your house; it's not an IMAX screen.
1: No, and this this movie is tailor made for the theatrical experience. I feel like so much will be lost in in the scope of things on a, on a home entertainment center. Despite the fact, yeah, there's some some great ones out there, but like you said, Julio, there's just no substitute. For the IMAX experience, just being so immersed in the sound and surrounded by people that are like ooing and eyeing along with you. I, I miss it so much. So yes, I'm ready to to see my friends shake some hands, maybe even sometime in the future, but I'm not rushing it. I'm ready to ease back into this thing. But yes, it's gonna be so good to get back get back into the mix.
0: Well, let's loop that back around to uh maybe what some of the biggest movie news was this week. And it's it's a decision I don't really understand, to be completely honest, because we are hearing all this good news with the vaccines. We are seeing theaters open back up in Los Angeles and San Francisco, which were the Los Angeles is the biggest film market in the country. If you don't know, even bigger than New York City, which also recently reopened its theaters. Uh, it's been, been maybe a month that the New York theaters have been reopened. But the Los Angeles theaters and the San Francisco theaters have started in the last week or so. And, uh, you know, people are coming in and seeing movies. And so we're getting back. Yeah. And yeah, it's still limited attendance and all that, but you know, all the theaters are opening back up. There were a couple of chains that just completely closed down. We didn't have that happen here. Well, we did have that happen here for a little while because everybody closed down for a little while, but, uh-huh. um, you know, there's some, there's some that still haven't reopened that have announced, okay, we're ready to reopen, you know, come end of April to be prepared for, you know, the big summer blockbuster season and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to really especially uh, Black Widow opening at the beginning of May, the next Marvel Cinematic Universe film. It's been more than a year since we've seen a Marvel movie come out in theaters. So that, that in and of itself is crazy because we're used to, you know, three or four of them in a year. So Disney this week decided, well, you know what, we're going to move it back again and we're going to we're going to play with you a little bit here. So they, they moved uh, Black Widow back to July 9th. From May 5th, I think was the date. Uh, So moving back another couple of months. And when it does come out, yes, it will be in theaters, but it will also be available on Disney Plus, but it's going to be one of those pesky premiere access things where it's an extra $30 if you want to watch it at home. Uh, they made the same decision with Cruella, which is their live-action origin story for Cruella Deville. So it's like a 101 Dalmatians prequel. Uh, that's that's staying on the same date that they had it announced for, which is at the end of May. I think it's May 25th. Uh, but so it's going to stay on that date. But same deal. It's uh, it's going to be available on the the Disney Plus premiere access for for 30 bucks uh, if you don't want to go to the theater or whatever. Uh, I just I feel like that the, they're kind of. Pulling the the exhibitionists, uh, the theaters, their hands behind their backs, man. Uh, you know they they were really looking forward to getting this product and and getting things going back. And Disney's like, well, you know, sorry.
1: Mm, do you think interesting? I, I didn't think about it from that perspective, but I I was looking at it from strictly a financial in the pocket of Disney perspective, which is to say, I believe that moving it back will only benefit them because. Everybody's going to be, like I just now said about shaking hands, everybody's going to be a little anxious and want to dip their toe in the water first and kind of ease themselves back into it, other than the people who are going to just go hand sandwich the moment that they can. But I think a lot of people are going to just see how it goes, so I don't know that people will be rushing out to the theaters as much as kind of coming in waves, and I feel like by July, the confidence in the public is going to be much greater. However, that's just economics on the side of the company. Uh, You and I have spoken about some of the recent uh, kind of strong-arming tactics that Disney has been using against the um, exhibitors. And I think they're very shrewd in their approach. I don't particularly – I mean, there's nothing admirable about it. It feels like what our perception of this company is is so (laughs) – So contrary to the way that companies function in the first place, so I understand what they're looking at as their bottom line, but they've already got so many assets, Leo, that it just feels like almost kicking somebody when they're down.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, my perspective, too, is, okay, if you're going to move the movie back to July, that's fine. By July most people are going to be vaccinated. Most people that want, you know, want it certainly, first of all, but hopefully we'll have, sure. you know, convince these people, you know, by bribing them with a free Krispy Kreme donut or something to, <laughs> which, which is a real thing. If you haven't heard, if you take your vaccination card into Krispy Kreme every day for a whole year, they'll give you a free donut. So if that doesn't convince you to get your vaccine, I don't know what will free donuts. Come Correct. on. Uh, but I feel like by July, you know, we'll have a majority of the people vaccinated and we'll be getting somewhere close to herd immunity. So I just don't understand why they're doing the premier access with that. I think it hurts the theaters. I think that's a shame. Uh, You know, I I don't love that it's moved back, but it's been moved back so many times at this point. And we're going to now have four Marvel movies in the last, uh, the last six months of the year. So that's going to be interesting. There's, and you know, we're also going to have this messing up their schedule a little bit to where now, if things go as scheduled, Black Widow opens while the Loki series is is uh, is running. That we may see some changes there. So it changes a lot of stuff. But we'll talk more about uh about lots of what's going on when we come back from the break here in just a moment. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio ninety two three and AM sixteen twenty. In the great hall of the Justice League. There are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Superman. Wonder Woman. Three junior super friends, Wendy. Hey, we go back to Let's Go, Pensacola. I am your host, Julio Diaz. Uh, trying to figure out how they missed Cyborg on that. He you got some, cut out by Whedon, man. Somehow somehow they missed out on Cyborg and uh, and The Flash, and uh, you know maybe some other characters that we saw in uh, what is officially being called Zack Snyder's Justice League or the Snyder Cut, as we all know it. Uh you know uh, of course you know i'm i'm joking around a bit you know that that's the original super friends theme from 1973 so cyborg actually hadn't even been created yet at that time mm. uh he uh he was not created until the early 80s so there's no way it would have been possible for cyborg to have been on on the super friends unfortunately he was on the super friends later though he was the uh, the last couple of seasons uh he or the, last, the very last season he was uh, one of the new characters they brought in to uh have some youth identification they brought in firestorm the season before and then they brought cyborg in that final season and uh voiced by ernie hudson if you can believe it oh wow yeah so uh so let's dig into uh do you have four hours and two minutes uh jeremy that's the uh yeah. we
1: have a snyder cut to do this leo we, yeah. i think
0: uh, do we do we have a snyder cut to analyze the snyder cut <laughs>
1: <laughs> we we oh, do not boy, do I have mixed feelings about this one.
0: We we do not have a Snyder Cut to analyze a Snyder Cut and I kinda don't want to spend that long on it because now it feels like I mean it's only been out for a little over a week, but it feels like it was like two months ago.
1: I yes, I agree. And so
0: it feels like I finished watching it a month and a half ago.
1: But <laughs> I'm shocked that you and I haven't talked about it yet. This is the first time we've had this conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, last week, uh, I think I had already seen it and you hadn't seen it yet. I think that was, that was was the holdup. So, uh, you know, here's the thing. I I do have mixed feelings about this as well. I I do think it is a, a better film than the film we saw in 2017. Uh, that was, uh, I guess, uh, sliced and diced and remixed by Joss Whedon. Um, I think it's a more consistent film, which is which I expected it to be. You know, I expected it to have a more consistent tone because it was one person's concept from start to finish, or or you know the original concept from start to finish, rather than somebody coming in and second guessing things. And, and I think I think also in, in the case of Whedon, I think Whedon gets blamed for a lot on this. And putting aside whatever interpersonal things may or may not have happened on the set of the 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 film. I think a lot of what happened with the finished product there, I think there was a lot of studio direction in there. I think he was asked specifically, Hey, we want you to add more humor to it. We want you to lighten it up. We want you to get it down to two hours. We want you, you know, I think there's, there's things that he was hired to do that are not necessarily his fault. If it's something that you don't like. Uh, And and keeping in mind too, that Warner brothers is saying, Hey, we went and did this wonderful thing, and you, know, you guys can all go enjoy Zack Snyder's original vision. But the one that's in continuity is the 2017 film, and that's what we're going to base stuff off going forward. It's not the uh, not the the Snyder cut. So uh, there's there's a lot to unpack here, but I think that the film film as it has been redone does a lot more to service the characters in general. It's yeah. it, it is a lot more cohesive of a film. Uh, it still has Steppenwolf as its main villain, which is a huge weakness. Uh, e- even if they've improved the character, they've made him look better, and they've maybe given him a little more motivation. It's still one of the lamest characters that Jack Kirby ever created, and it's—it's. Mm. It's, I mean, every every single character in Kirby's Fourth World, everybody, every other bad guy in Kirby's Fourth World is a better character than Steppenwolf. It's—it's it's just that simple. There's—there's there's, you know. There's a wealth of interesting characters there, you know, from dark Side on down. And I, I still have problems with Darkseid being the, the major antagonist of the first film to begin with. I think that's something you build to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you still have Steppenwolf as, as a villain. You still have Zack Snyder just loving to put his finger on that slow mo button. Loves it. Loves it. And, and uh, IGN actually did an analysis. And it determined that 10% of the film is in slow motion.
1: Wow. Yeah. That so, is a substantial amount.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I had been joking around, you know, oh, the film would be an hour shorter. Well, it wouldn't be an hour shorter, but it'd be close to half an hour shorter if they didn't Unreal. do all those, all those slow scenes. And there are places where the slow-mo really works and it's really effective and it just looks cool as hell. And then there's Lois Lane getting a cup of coffee.
1: Right. You know, why did that <laughs> right.
0: Why did that have to be in slow motion? You know, there, there's a lot of it's little things like that.
1: It dulls the impact. You know, if you're going to have a dramatic moment, let the moments uh, have, <laughs> I guess, moments in between so that the slow-mo feels earned and it makes it feel more dramatic in that moment. But, yeah, what happens when you use it for the most inconsequential stuff is it ends up completely dulling the impact of it, and it feels at some point, it just feels not offensive, but it's like, come on, man, I've got other stuff that I could be doing right now. But yeah, I, I echo a lot of what you said. I actually liked the redesign of Steppenwolf, uh, obviously. Cooler looking version. I thought the performance of the voice was pretty good considering what he had to work with because Snyder, great visual filmmaker, terrible with scripts. But I did want to say I love the way they handled Superman in this movie. I've never historically been a big Superman fan, but I think they did a couple of things very right with him this time.
0: I think in general, one of my biggest knocks on Zack Snyder's uh, DCEU films is that I don't think that he has gotten the spirit of these characters. And I think that he uh, he treats them all like Watchmen. I didn't yes, think
1: I, I can
0: see that. I didn't think that was the case here. I I this is the first time I felt like he was starting to get the spirit of the characters right. Uh, there was a great little bit in the the, the first Wonder Woman sequence in the film, which is a we saw a version of that in the in the two thousand seventeen film too. It's where she's uh, you know, fighting these terrorists that have taken all these little girls hostage and uh they're they don't really have anything that they want to do except to cause chaos and she goes in and she defeats these uh these terrorists and saves all these kids and, but the, he added a little bit which I guess may have already been filmed I don't know if it's something that he filmed and reshoots but after the the terrorists were defeated you know Wonder Woman's checking on everybody and making sure they're okay and there's one little girl who's like kind of really reserved and and into herself and Diana's worried about her and she goes to her and she he says she says are you okay princess and The little girl says, can I be like you? And Wonder Woman says, you can be whatever you want. And I was like, yes, that is Wonder Woman. That is absolutely the core of that character, that all women can be whatever they want. And that is, it was just such a key moment. And I felt like there were little bits like that for all of the characters, for Superman, for Batman, for Flash, for Cyborg. And, you know, I, I will say this too. Again, no matter what may or may not have happened between Ray Fisher and Joss Whedon, I can understand why he was unhappy with the way the film was redone, because in this version of the film, Cyborg is is kind of the heart of the film, and the character is a lot more developed and has a lot more to do. Now, do I think that Joss Whedon took that stuff out because he was a big meanie head or didn't like Ray Fisher or racism or whatever? No, I think that was a studio you know, direction. I think that, you know, that let's let's center the film on the most unfamiliar to mainstream audiences characters was probably not a decision the studio was comfortable with. There was a lot in this movie, <laughs> you know. You don't release a four hour and two minute film theatrically, generally speaking, right? Not 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 as a commercial effort. You know, there's art films certainly that are that long. You know, there there are some older epics that are that long, and they'll program an intermission in or whatever, but. Not in today's market, not, not, not at 300 and some odd million dollars to make it. And, uh, and try to get enough shows in, in a day to, to make money on it. And Granted, they still lost money on this. And then they went and spent another $70 million after they'd lost money on it.
1: Unbelievable. And yeah, you, I mean, it, You're right about the cyborg thing. Unfortunately, just when we're looking at uh, marketability, bankability, all of those things, he comes up short as far as just, uh, you know, marquee characters that everybody recognizes. That's unfortunate. I agree with you. I would have been so upset because he was such, even if he wasn't the core of the film, it's it's indisputable that he was a very important part of the movie. And another thing I wanted to say to Zack Snyder's credit um, is that what, he was able to do is make each of them important in some way. Every member of the Justice League had a reason to be there and it was pretty clearly defined. I mean Batman had to get the group together, you know, and Mm -hmm. then kind of fight off the parademons, I guess, at the end so that he could do something. But yeah, I did I did appreciate that, and it also felt way more earned when the Justice League actually came together because we gave a crap about them just a little bit, you know?
0: Well, let me ask you this, Jeremy. Speaking of of did-it-have-to-be things, did it have to be rated R?
1: No, no, easily not.
0: You know, even though I'm giving uh, Snyder some credit for getting the characters right this time, at the same time, do we really need Batman dropping an F-bomb? Do we need...
1: About as much as we needed Joker's reach around Joe.
0: Yeah, I mean there, yeah, you know, there were a lot of you know things like that where it felt like they just stuck them in to get to the R. Like they, you can get yeah. one f bomb into a movie and still get a PG thirteen. There, there was a, a a fair amount of blood and carnage that I think could have been done without and this film still could have been a pg-13 and i know Zack snyder has his his edgelord tech tendencies that he wants to (laughs) to get in there and you know it's still very much a Zack snyder film but here we are you know i think this could have been a pg-13 pretty easily and i I think i would have felt more comfortable with that i don't have a problem with an r-rated superhero movie i love deadpool thought birds of prey was fantastic i just don't know that that Superman ever belongs in something R rated. Like if you want to have if you want to have a, a Superman pastiche in something like we have in The Boys or we have in uh, another thing that we'll talk about later in the show that I'm not going to allude to too much later, then great, but if you're talking about the real guy Yes, you know, I, I get it. I just don't know that that's the right way to go. Uh, I, I did overall like the movie. I'm, I'm glad that Snyder got the chance to show what he wanted to show, and I, I do think it's a much improved version. I think it's worth seeing. The, I agree. That's about as far as I can go with that.
1: I, yeah, I agree. I feel like as we both said up top, mixed bag. Uh, I would probably rate it like a 6 out of 10 or a 3 out of 5 if I were going to quantify it. It just falls on the side of a recommendation. Julio, to your point about an R-rated Justice League film, it seems very contrary to the league themselves. I feel like if you could have marketed it as injustice and a wide audience would have got it, I feel like many of us would feel very different about Zack Snyder's approach to these characters because at least we'd know what to expect.
0: And there's certainly allusions to injustice in there and to a lot of other things, but, uh, you know, I think we're better off moving on from, from this. And yeah. I, I like the, the news that's coming, coming out about future DC films. We'll see, uh, we'll see where we go, but we've got to take a break. We'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to Let's Go Pensacola on News Radio ninety two three and AM 1620. It's Radio 92 3 and AM 1620. Welcome back to Let's Go Pensacola. I am your host Julio Diaz. We've got Jeremy Branch from the Movies Are Terrible channel on YouTube online with us this morning. I'm talking about kind of everything that's been going on in pop culture this over the past week and coming up over the next few weeks too. Uh, and uh, the next thing I want to talk about is a great new Amazon Prime series that uh, dropped its first three episodes uh, on technically thursday night it was supposed to be friday but amazon kind of does this all the time they'll say okay this is going to debut on friday and then like seven eight o'clock thursday night it's it's inevitably out there but uh it's invincible and it's based on the the comic book series by robert kirkman who is also the creator of the walking dead and uh this is uh for those that don't know a superhero series but it is a superhero series very much in the vein of what robert kirkman does and and that he kind of twist the expectations and twist the conventions of the genre while still loving the genre. And uh, man, I just think these first three episodes are great. Now, Jeremy, I don't think you've seen all three tell me where, where have you gotten on this so far?
1: So I just finished episode one this morning and wow. um, uh, We're not going to talk any spoilers. So I just want to be as vague as possible and say that there is a dramatic tonal shift that I certainly expected and was totally not ready for at the same time. And yes, just knowing that Kirkman is the writer and that Seth Rogen and I believe, is it Adam Goldberg? Evan Goldberg. Evan Goldberg are the uh, executive producers on it. You you know that these guys have worked uh, with other shows on AMC, such as Preacher. And then Robert Kirkman brings a lot of the cast members from The Walking Dead over, which... I really like that cast. I think it's great that they're finding work. I like the animation style. And Um,
0: worth pointing out, too, that Rogan and Goldberg are also behind The Boys.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there are tonal similarities. And I'm going to be honest, at first and even still, I'm not three episodes in, so this could change because I'm certainly compelled enough to keep watching. I was concerned that there wasn't going to be enough that justified it being, uh, existing in the same space as The Boys because much of it, is very, very similar.
0: Yeah, but it's it's different, too. There's enough, like, there's way, way more wholesomeness to this, despite there being Agreed. a very dark side to this. And it is, in, in some ways, very much a traditional superhero story. And then in some ways, it's very realistic and very different from a traditional superhero story. Now, were you familiar with the comics at all before you watched it?
1: I was familiar with the cover of the first issue, uh, that that suit itself is very iconic. I'm familiar with the imagery, but no, no, i I didn't even really know it existed as invincible. So I had no expectations going into it. are you Are you a fan of the swordsman series? I, I
0: am. I can't say that I've read you know the entire because the series ran fifteen years. I think I've really oh, only, wow. I, I think I've only read the first two collections. Uh, so there were some things that I was expecting in this. Uh, and I, I think the way that they're pacing this is a little different, and the way they're approaching this is a little different, uh, in that the audience knows things that some of the characters don't know, but they don't know why mm-hmm. or, or what's going on yet. Uh, versus that being more revealed through the char- through the lead character invincible's eyes in the in the actual comic. But I think it really works because I think the people that were that were familiar with the comic, we're kind of expecting one thing and this subverts that a little bit and lets you experience it in a different way. And I think that's really great. Uh, and I think that they've done a great job of it, of being able to show this entire universe like from the start rather than, in the comic, it kind of was a slow build. You know, you found out about, to, to give you a little bit of the backstory without spoiling or anything, uh, the, the lead character is a, a guy named Mark Grayson. He's a high school student and he's grown up as, the son of a Superman-type character called Omni-Man who is from another planet, and he's been waiting all his life to see, to see if he's going to develop his powers, and he finally does, uh, and, and then where that takes him and what's going on in the, in the whole world. But there's a whole universe of superheroes and villains and characters that Kirkman has created here uh, that kind of, somewhat, some of them pay homage to characters you might be familiar with, uh, but they do it in different and, and innovative and exciting ways, and uh, and we get to see a lot of that. I mean, you see definitely see some of that in the first episode, but second and third episodes really dive deep into, into that world and introduce a lot of the characters that are, are going to come to be important characters in this universe. And uh, it just nails it every single time. You know, the casting is great. Again, they did use a lot of people from the Walking Dead cast, but also people like uh, Jillian Jacobs. J.K. Simmons is voicing, um, is voicing Omni-Man. Sandra Oh is voicing... Uh, Mark's mother, Uh, you know, it's just everywhere you look, it's a great, great character voice. And one of the things I did, I noticed, I had never noticed this on Amazon Prime before, but I happened to move the the mouse at one point. Same. Yeah, it will tell you the characters that are on screen. It will tell you the actor and character that are on screen at that time. It'll, if there's a song playing, song it'll, tell playing. You, it'll tell you. it tell you the song. Yeah, and it was hard for me. I'd already picked that Pat Benatar needle drop, but it was hard for me to not go with something from the show because there's some really good music in the show too. You uh, made the right choice. And then it will, and then it will show some uh, some trivia sometimes too. And I just thought that was really great. That's something that I don't think any of the uh, the other streaming services are doing, and I, I really like that. Uh, but that's just like an, an, an enhancement. The show itself is just, I think it's fantastic. And I'm, I'm just. I'm glad really, to hear that. I'm really. I'm glad to used. hear that. I,
1: and I sorry, thought, Hilly, no, Aussie.
0: I say, I thought they were only dropping one episode, and I, it happened to be that when I was almost all the way through the first episode, uh, I had to to run and get something to drink, and I checked my Facebook real quick when I when I was doing that, and a friend posted, oh, they've put the first three episodes. I was like, what? I only planned to watch one. I watched you all three. Really did something.
1: <laughs> They did something really interesting, uh, where it wasn't a post credit scene, like this is a 48 minute episode, something like that, give or take. And uh, about 35 minutes in, the credits rolled, and then this whole other segment happened that was incredibly dark and shocking. And it, that's when that's when I was like, All right, I'm diving back into this immediately. So, yeah, it was a it was a weird thing that I thought the episode was over. I hit pause and there was like 15 minutes
0: left. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't mention hour long episodes roughly. And this is an animated series too. I don't think we mentioned, you know, yes. we, so, you know, the, the, the possibilities are endless. It's unusual to see an hour long animated show, uh, that has like this kind of drama level to it, at least in American animation. Agreed. Uh, and, and, um, that tactic that you mentioned is something that goes on throughout the three episodes, but there's also, there's a couple of different things they do. There's one where you see the title card come up with invincible's name. And every time that happens, it's, it's in place of somebody saying invincible in the, in the show. Okay. And something happens with that title card each time. And it happens in a different part of the show every time it's not that first episode. It was like 40 minutes in and then you had, and then you had that scene there's other episodes where like the title card comes up in the middle or the beginning. And some episodes do have a, an actual like mid credits or post credits scene. Uh, and some don't, and it, it, you know, Amazon is good about, uh, not auto forwarding you to the next show if there's some additional content there. So don't worry that you're going to miss it. Uh, if you, you know, have it just playing onto the next episode, the, they'll show you all of that. Uh, but Man, I just I love the animation style on this, too, because it looks a lot like the art in the comics, which is not always the case of what you get in, in any kind of animated comic book adaptation. This very much looks like the art style of the comics, uh, but I think it moves really smoothly and uh, it's just it's just a really immersive world altogether.
1: Who created the – oh, yeah, Robert Kirkman did. Okay, so, yeah, there is definite specificity to the art style, and I think it's interesting how sometimes that – and I think it's an intentional choice how sometimes that style clashes with the content in the story itself. And uh, I think it could be very shocking. I mean, it says clearly up front, this is an adult animated show, but I think, you know, you could get a little bit complacent, maybe watch 15 minutes in and still not know what you're getting into. Yeah.
0: And I mean, I think to say that it's an adult animated show, I think that I think it's probably okay for, you know, like an older teenager to watch the show. I don't think it's at least so far. You know, I don't know what will come up in future episodes. But whereas the boys, I probably wouldn't put anybody under 18 in front of that. I think that in a lot of ways, this is kind of. You know the the protagonist is in high school, and there's other characters that are going to be important characters that are in high school. So I I, I feel like a high school student could watch this for the most part and and really enjoy it and not be scarred by it. Which
1: is what Let's I'd, be honest, which is I what I'd be worried Friday about. Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, I agree, and I think that the medium also might soften the blow. But I, yeah, I, I don't want to give my stamp of approval for what's okay for for your kids, anybody that may be listening. But yeah, I oh, was yeah. watching Friday the Thirteenth when I was seven or eight years old, so I I wouldn't say it's too bad for kids or teenagers to watch. I just think, um, you know, if you're used to the the Marvel pacing and tone and style and all that, you might be a little surprised.
0: Yeah, this this is not the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it is definitely worth checking out. And I, I would agree... It's always a parent's job to decide what's appropriate for their kids and what what level their kids are at. So, parents, I definitely would recommend that you watch this first before you put your kids in front of it. Or, you know, but you know, you do you. You're the judge. I'm not. I'm not your parents. Your your child's parent. You are. And It's your job to do that. It's not. It's not Amazon's job to do that. It's not society's job to do that. That all falls on you. Uh, that is one of my big issues but hey uh we got to take one more break we'll be back in just a little bit with more you're listening to let's go Pensacola on news radio 923 and am 1620. radio 92.3 and am 1620 welcome back to let's go pensacola i am your host julio diaz we have jeremy branch from the movies are terrible channel on youtube with us on the line and if you're wondering why i'm playing the edgar winter group it's because it's time to talk about the latest and great well i don't know greatest that's still up for debate but the latest marvel cinematic universe show on disney plus the falcon and the winter soldier yes that was a long way to go for that uh, but, you know, we got to hear a great songs, so it makes it all worth it. Uh, so second episode just out on Disney Plus this week, uh, Jeremy, and uh, I'll let you start off. Give me your thoughts here, man.
1: So as you and I spoke about last week, we were left at the end of episode one not really knowing how to discuss it, right? There wasn't a lot of open-ended questions, and we hadn't even seen the main two characters together yet. So we had a very small sample size, and I feel like, Episode two um, increased the intrigue for me. We finally get to see the interplay between Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, which let's be honest, that's that's the reason we're all there, right? So um, I think that bringing those characters together immediately elevated it just a little bit. And then um, kind of learning a little bit more about the Flag Smashers, learning a little bit more about our new Captain America, hey, and i realized the reason why he looked so goofy last time one of the many reasons but uh he had his ears out man like old school captain america and i was like well of course he's going to look goofy but uh <laughs> he, yeah i liked it what what did you think about it
0: well i mean uh i think i'll kind of start start at the the end and go backwards here if i can uh i think that uh you know the the actor there is is um is Wyatt Russell, who is the son of uh, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, very good-looking guy. Uh, especially if you've seen some some of his photos when he's not playing this character and he's got a full beard and everything. Yeah, he, he's an attractive man that's being made to look a little less attractive than than he actually is in this. I think you are supposed to feel like he looks wrong in the costume.
1: Of course. I, I think yes.
0: I think that that was a very deliberate choice. I think they 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 made a very deliberate choice to make him look kind of goofy and weird. And we're going to see that. I think we're going to see that darken over the the course of the series. I think we've already seen it darken a little bit. Interesting. You know, because the character starts out, you know, gung-ho and very much trying to to bring in uh, Falcon and Bucky to work with him. And everybody's going to be chums and uh, doesn't really understand why they're, you know, opposed to him. And it's not really his fault. That, you know, that, that he inherited this, you know, I mean, Falcon and, and, and Bucky are kind of being jerks a little bit, but, uh, but they're not necessarily wrong either. And um, so, I I mean, I think, I think they went out of their way to make him look extra goofy and make him look like you want to be uneasy that this person is in that role.
1: Um, it's interesting because it even plays to his character. I mean, there's a bit of introspection going on there, which I like. And I find it interesting that you think that they're going to go. And obviously we're both just existing in the realm of conjecture at this point, only speculating, but um, I could see that, but I also see, uh, you know, this uh, adversarial relationship. That's really not a personal thing, but more out of just, necessity and they were trying to be vague and and not touch on anything too specifically but um i really like it and i really like that we were figuring out that the flag smashers had significance but there's another force at play as well and um it's just kind of adding layers and and um yeah that the action sequence on top of the trucks really cool
0: yeah no that was great this continues to be a really great action show and really cinematic in that regard and loving every bit of that. Uh, to go back to the flag smashers, we heard uh, we heard a very important name in this episode that maybe everybody didn't hear because it was in kind of an actiony scene. Uh, but when the the other group is coming after the flag smashers, uh, pulling up in their sedans, and the one guy is sacrificing himself to let the rest of them get away. Uh, then they're called the power brokers. Uh, the power broke, there was a singular character called the power broker, much like there is a singular singular character called flag smasher in the comics. Okay. Uh, that is responsible for a lot of people getting their super soldier esque powers. Uh, mm. so I, I think that that coming into play is going to be very interesting. There's going to be something more to that. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and you, know, we're going to see more about this organization and, it's that same kind of thing that, that Marvel's been doing a really good job of over the past couple of years with with the bad guys where you have to question, well, maybe the bad guys are right. You know, maybe this is yeah. – I, I, I don't think that they're right. I don't think going back to the the blip and getting rid of half the, half the world is a good idea. But, you know, hey, uh, you know, it's not to say there aren't issues. You know, there absolutely are, and they're right to address them. Maybe just the way they're going about addressing them is wrong. Uh, you know, continuing to go backwards from what you were saying, uh, yeah, I think the uh, the buddy cop relationship that we have between Falcon and Winter Soldier is is the meat of why we're here. And I I really love they they those two guys play off each other so well. They have great chemistry. They they have that kind of where you know there's an undercurrent of respect, even though they act like they don't like each other. They kind of do like yeah. each other in spite of themselves. And uh, the whole scene with the, them being in therapy together was just was uh, great. that was a that was every bit as much of a centerpiece of the show as the big action sequence was it, it was just it was great it, it just so good and then i like the way that they're playing that against the relationship between the john walker cap and his partner Battlestar. you know i'm, glad, I'm so glad that they gave him that name because that's right out of the comics too and and uh, there's a big thing with that so interesting to see that and it's and you know where they're one side wants everybody to work together and the other side want nothing to do with it. And there's an adversarial relationship between the two teams that is not rooted in. We like each other or, or you know, any kind right. of buddy cop thing. And that works. And when it finally gets through Walker's head that they're not going to work with him and he pulls the, well, you better stay out of my way that, that they could have, they could have easily put in a dun, dun, dun right after that. Yes. It's you know, <laughs> that, that was not a, that was not an idle comment.
1: Correct. I, I don't know. Think... Definitely not subtle. And you're, I, I, it is going to be the narrative thrust or the main, I think, conflict of the show. I, I And I really like it. I felt like the first episode, I was so much more intrigued by Bucky's storyline and mm-hmm. his particular struggles to overcome his history. But I feel like they did a good job this episode again in making uh, Falcon a more interesting character than I felt that he was before episode one, than I felt he was before that. So I like that they're continuing to develop this character and um, this conflict that, that Bucky is having with him. It was just such a, a poignant moment when he says, uh, you know, Cap wanted you to have that shield. That was your mm-hmm. responsibility. He basically bestowed it upon you. And uh, Falcon's like, why do you care so much? It didn't have anything to do with you. Well, if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. And you can just, like, you see how heavy that burden that he carries with him is. And I, I really like that line delivery. And I just... These characters have depth, man. And yeah, and that's that's that. That. that's
0: the central theme of the show, right there. That that moment is where they're dropping on you. This is what it's all about, and this is what the relationship of these two characters is about. Yeah. This is what their place in the world is. This is the thematic resonance. Now, the other one thing I want to make sure we mention before we run out of show is uh, the predictions are were true. We did see Carl Lumbly show up in this episode as uh, Isaiah Bradley, who was. A super soldier uh, in in the comics, they, they retroactively made him the first Captain America, and he was somebody that was experimented on before they were going. To, and he's African American before they were going to do it to a white guy, much like the Tuskegee Airmen experiments and the things you know that we know about that have actually happened in our sad history over the years. Uh, they changed it a little bit in that he was somebody that was Captain America while. Steve was on on ice while he was a capsicle, as Tony Stark put it, and you know, had him running around in the Korean War and that sort of thing. This is going to be a big thematic thing with this episode, and the way that this impacts Sam in particular, not having known about this and finding out that this person exists and what he went through, that's going to be a big thruster this this series too. There's a lot of big concepts and big things going on here, and it's really saying something when you get to the fact that we're two episodes in, and we still haven't seen uh, who we assume is our main bad guy yet, Daniel Brühl. We kind of see a, a peak mm-hmm. of him at the very end of the episode, uh, but we still have not really seen Zemo. We still haven't seen Sharon Carter, uh, and this is only six episodes, so we're, we're a third of the way done here at this point. I, I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to have time to get to everything that they're building here. Now, sure, certainly things are going to move on into future projects, and we're going to see these characters again elsewhere, yada yada. But there's there's a lot they got to get to here, so uh, that's that's my biggest concern. Are they going to be able to get to everything they're they're setting up here?
1: Sure, I think that's valid. And then uh, on the back of that, I'm very curious to know how much uh, weight this is going to hold in the future of the NCU where you and I have discussed how how pivotal Wandavision was and the fact that this was originally supposed to be released before Wandavision. Mm-hmm. I wonder um, if that is going to you know. Uh, impact the way that we view it and then also is there going to be you know uh major ramifications for things that happen in this show
0: well you know one one thing i would like to see come out of this is i think that at the end of this series we're probably going to see zemo out like i i, mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to s- survive this and i think he's going to be not imprisoned at the end of this uh and i kind of hope so because zemo is is best known in the comics for leading the big probably the biggest Marvel Villain Group, which is the Masters of Evil. And Mm. we still haven't seen a big superhero team versus supervillain team epic in one of these movies on either DC or Marvel. And I'd really like to see that. So if we're leading to Zemo leading a Masters of Evil, I'm
1: all about that. Same. That's all news to me, but I love it. I think that's such a cool idea.
0: Well, you know, I, I would love to talk more about this, Jeremy, you know, I can go on forever, but we are unfortunately out of time real quick before we do end the show. Uh, I want to give a shout out to a great actress that we lost this week, Jessica Walter. A lot of people probably know her as Lucille Bluth on Arrested Development. She was also of course on Archer, just an amazing career going back all the way to the sixties, passed away this week. Uh, we will definitely miss her, and I, I didn't want to let the show go without uh, mentioning that. Uh, Jeremy, as always, thank you. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again very soon, and we'll be talking to you folks again next week. Until then, you're listening. to Let's go Pensacola on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620.